0: Awards Only at a Sleep Number store or SleepNumber.com. You're the mom, the maid, the keeper of
1: the cookies. You do it all and you look good doing it. It's parenthood on a mother level. Here's your host, Denise Hanitka.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 105 of On a Mother Level. I'm your host, Denise, and this is your best year ever. You are in it right now, your best year ever. And if you haven't reached it yet, you're going to with the help of this episode because it's all about your best year ever. Have I sold you on that yet? I'm in need of a best year ever. You've heard me say before that last year was garbage, the year before was a close runner up, more like a small bathroom trash can. But this year is going to be my best year ever. So what does that mean? Well, in a word, for me, that means focusing and continuing to focus on the surrender. Surrendering to all the things that I cannot control. The idea that I cannot control everything can bring a little anxiety in a way, but I choose instead to think of it as someone else's decisions, someone else's actions, they're not mine to control, or to police. And in surrender, I protect my own peace. You've also heard me say before that in the surrender, you open your mind to the reality that what is meant to be yours will not pass you by. By giving up control, you don't stop creating opportunities. You don't stop them from coming. And you don't have to be afraid that by letting go, you are letting yourself go. From an Instagram post, surrender is not the acknowledgement of failure, but rather a gentle intention that you trust where you are now and that the present is not your final destination. What is yours is already yours and it's coming. So think about what you want to be yours this year. What do I want to be mine? My therapist told me that my word for the year should be abundance. And now after she said that, I've never said the word abundance in my whole life. Now that she said that, I see that word everywhere. I'm on Instagram and there's some, you know, a mantra for the year for every zodiac sign. And so the cancer mantra of the year is I embrace the mindset of abundance. Okay. I believe you. So I look up what abundance means. What the heck? It is the plentifulness of the good things in life to have more than you need. Okay, I'm going after that to have more than I need of the good things in life. Okay, I'm open to it. That's the witchy version of best year ever. So in practical terms, what does that all mean? That's why Lori is here. Lori is a supermom in real life. She wrote a book called Secrets of Supermom. She's the host of the podcast Secrets of Supermom. And she's doing a series right now off the top of the year called Best Year Ever with some other women who are out to do the very same thing, to become their best selves and to help you become your best you in 2022. (laughs) Lori is big into letting go, stop feeling the need to control everything, how to be happier every day on purpose, and to get past the culture of complaint that is plaguing you in the workplace, or perhaps even at home. If she can get your kids to stop complaining, she really is supermom now, isn't she? So let's bring in my guest, Lori. She is a mom of four in Arizona, and we begin with what it really means to be a supermom. Lori, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Mom of four, Four under 12, what's like life like in your house right now?
1: It's madness. Um, the kids are off school, right? So, they, so they're all here. Um, and I don't usually do interviews when they're all here. And so I've kind of trapped them in individual rooms. <laughs> so they're not fighting. They all have electronics that they're working on. So hopefully um, we will be able to just fly through and have a wonderful interview.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, what a brave move you're making. I admire yeah. it. <laughs> I know. I, uh, I thought, Oh, well, we'll see how this goes. We'll see if they, um, if they're good with it and then maybe I could do it more. So tell me about the room that you're sitting in right now. I need to step up my like office game. This is some man's office in my, uh, in my workplace and you have a beautiful space.
1: A few years ago, we set up this. So behind me, if you guys can't see it, there's, um, there are three desks in a row. That's one large desktop. And it was kind of like this um, hodgepodge of Ikea items that we put together and then got this desktop. So my husband did this, he's amazing. Uh, and then above that, he built these shelves. And so we had it thinking, okay, this is a great homework spot for the kids. And then an awesome office space for me. And so I get the office, you know, all day long. And then when they get home, they have this great space for homework. Um, and then, um, we had COVID right. And so we already, we watched all these families kind of scrambling to get desk space. And I was like, well, thank goodness. We had that grand idea a couple of years ago because here we were, we already had this desk space now it didn't end up working out so great. Cause they, you know, annoy each other, but, um, so they can't all sit there at the same time, but technically if they were well-behaved, they could sit all together and be working on their stuff. And then they have crafts and all the other things too. So it's really, um, a fun usable space. We use
2: a lot of it. And that's why they call you super mom. <laughs> <laughs> knew a worldwide pandemic was coming, and that you'd need an office space. It's the most incredible thing I've ever seen. <laughs>
1: Foresight, preparation—we're ready to go.
2: <laughs> so, Supermom, tell me, tell me why you decided to to choose that as as you know the main wording in your branding.
1: Yeah. So I had a, a lot of people called me that, right? Like I, because I've always worked full time. I, you know, I have a bucket load of kids and. I have always been super busy. So I've always taken on volunteer projects and extra things. And so you know, people would always just be like, what in the world, you know, you would, I would go to a thing and I would have, you know, an event like a potluck and I would have homemade something because that's what my mom did. So of course I wasn't going to buy something in a store and, you know, everyone was just always amazed. And so I kind of was like, yeah, I am a super mom. And, but then, you know, you start to look at all these other women and you see all these women doing amazing things. And I was like, Whoa, we have a lot of super moms out there. Right. And so I think, it also is a little bit um, polarizing. I don't know if that's maybe too harsh a word, but you know, there are moms that are like, oh, super mom. Like they think it's Pinterest worthy parties and that sort of thing. But really, I think that it is moms are super moms because we are doing so many things. We're able to quickly switch between the things that we're doing. Like you could go from work to childcare, back to work, back to childcare, to volunteering, to making dinner, to just so many things so quickly and so efficiently and so well, Uh, you know, there are so many of us that I just think there are so many super moms out there. We just, you know, we're amazing. We do amazing things.
2: Well, you know, I think you're hitting on a good point here because there's sort of two schools of mom thought. One is you do it all girl, you do it all honey, and you do it all the best. And then there's the other school of thought. That's like, You need to learn to say no, you need to lean out, you need to stop this hustle and bustle, and you need to start letting moms, you know, have the ability to protect their own peace. I don't think those two things need to live in separate arenas. Mm -mm. To me, the super mom concept is doing things exactly how it gives you happiness, makes you feel good and productive, because there are a lot of moms out there who wouldn't feel good leaning out. And there's a lot of moms who do take on too much based on somebody else's ideals. So really super mom can almost live in this land of like, you do you.
1: Yes, completely. You do you because you're right. There are moms that need, there are women that need more downtime and they should be taking that downtime because if they're not, then they're not going to be as amazing as they could be doing the things that, that are lighting them up, right. Whether that's a a job or a childcare or parenting or what, you know, all the things. And, and then you're right. There are other women, me, for example, that everyone's like, well, why don't you just relax? And I said this, what I'm doing right now is relaxing to me, you know, even though it seems sort of busy and and active, right. It is relaxing. It is filling me up. Um, And that's just, you know, we all have our different things that, that fill us up and make us happy and bring us you know, the feeling that we want to have all day long.
2: But you probably occasionally get that comment where it's like, you're the type of mom who makes me feel bad about myself. Yes.
1: Yes. (laughs) I hate that. And that I do hate that because I never want that to be it. I don't want anyone to feel badly. I want everyone to feel like, yes, I am doing the best that I can. And yes, I, and that is enough for everyone, right? Like it's enough for my family and it's enough for my, my boss, it's enough for me and my business, whatever it is. I, I want people to feel, I want women to feel like they have it all. And, and if they feel like they're not enough, it's really hard to have both those feelings at the same time.
2: Right. Right. Well, and it's also, it's just about starting to block out some of the noise of what you could be, should be, you know, ought to be doing and start thinking about what, what it is that makes you at the end of the day go, yeah, that was a goodie or yeah. Yeah, I did the things that I wanted to do, or I managed what I needed to manage today.
1: Yeah. And I think everyone's family is different too, right? Like you could have an amazing family day doing, I don't know, going hiking and, 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 being busy and playing sports. I don't want to go play sports with my kids. I'll watch sports all day long, but I'm not (laughs) going to go play sports. I will be the worst one on the field. And I will just be embarrassed the entire time. Right. But we could play a game and i would have total fun. And so I think that's, you know, we've got to think about that too. Are you doing what's right for you and what lights you up and feels good at the end of the day? And are you doing what's right for your family and lights your family up and your family feels good at the end of the day? It's all going to be different. So we all have to realize that. And I think be okay with it and and stop that comparison, put those blinders on and say, yeah, this feels really good for me. And that's okay. That it's nothing like my best friend or my neighbor or my sister or
2: right. Right. And you've got a lot of stuff lighting you up right now. You've got the podcast. You I got do. the book I and I was surprised to learn about your professional work as well. And so I want to dive into all of those things. Yes. Um, I just have a whole list of things that I want to get to. So let's begin on the professional front. Okay. Um, when you said that you're a clinical researcher, my immediate thought was, well, you know what? That's really irritating because <laughs> I feel like there are so many people who do these cool jobs that nobody ever told me I could do in high school. Nobody ever said, have you ever thought about this? And so I would love to know how you got into that line of work.
1: So can I tell you that that's exactly how I felt when I started this job, when I started in this industry, I said, why did I not know that this was a thing? Because this is awesome right? So I I'll tell you how I actually got into the job, how I started in the industry. I knew about, you know, I had, I worked in psychiatry. I was in the therapy counseling area. And then I moved States. I moved to Austin. I don't think I've ever told this story. I moved to Austin and I have no job, right? I move with no job. I am like, I'm going on a new adventure. I'm in my twenties. This is going to be amazing. And so I start working for a temp company and uh, this temp company puts me at this clinical research place where I'm calling people to get healthy people to get them to come do our drug trials. This is what my very first is that I'm oh, wow. cold calling these people or calling back people to get and asking them all these questions. And I, I realized, you know, I learn more about the whole industry and I'm like, this is amazing. And so they hire me on full time. And I end up in this really cool job. It's a clinical research uh, um, associate of what the job is called when I very first started um, after this kind of phone screener position. And you travel around to doctor's offices and you go through all of their paperwork and you make sure that everything is exactly as it should be so that the trial has the data that they need and that everything is by the book. So that they can take that data and they can bring, you know, drugs and, and medicines and things to life for people that need them. So I, I never knew it existed. I had no idea about the industry at all. And it was just the best job. Um, and, and I probably would have done it forever if it didn't require so much travel. And then (laughs) my, I still had to travel in the next role, you know, the positions up as I continued to climb the ladder, it was just a different level of travel. It wasn't every week, every day, that kind of thing.
2: Okay. So that, it feels though really different from like a therapy space, you know, one is like highly people interactive and one is like, let's stay organized. Let's keep, you know, things in the right boxes and such.
1: Yeah. So that's funny. That job is very analytical. It's very logical. And and it still is, you know, as I continue to climb the career ladder, all those things are required. And I think that that's kind of why I, you know, I have this side photography job and I wrote this book. So I feel like those things, you know, I, the podcast and all these other things are what light up that creative side for me, that, um, connective side for me, that side that just wants to learn about people and, and be with people and connect with people. I think that's what lights that up because the other side, not that I don't work with people, I do, but I, it, there is a lot of project management and planning and, um, and logic involved in everything that we're doing. And so it's just really two sides of my mind that get lit up, I guess.
2: Wow, you're like a yeah. triple threat. Like, <laughs> with, you know, the science brain plus like the artistic side and then like broadcasting and you've got like such a, like a, you know, an an on-camera presence it's so fun to learn new things for me. And I think, you know,
1: that's even part of it is that all, you know, all these things are, uh, you know, I don't know how to do a podcast. So I'm like, oh, I could learn to do a podcast. I could take some classes. I could figure this out. Right. And so, and then I just do it and I figure out how, you know, and then of course make a thousand mistakes along the way and go, oh, I'm not going to do that again. Okay. Not going to do that again. And, you know, it's just been all of these new adventures have been really fun. So I, I'm excited to see where all of that takes me, um, in 2022 and beyond. And, and I really, it's just, I, you, I mean, you can probably see by my face, it all lights me up so
2: much. Yes, it does. Okay. So what does the everyday look like for you then in this job? Yeah. So
1: there is a lot of jumping back and forth, um, because so, you know, I work the, I work a day job, so I have a pretty structured schedule. If I'm not consistent, I'm not going to make things happen if I don't say, okay, well, I wake up very early in the morning. It's important to me to be up way before the kids. And so that's okay, one so of the what things time? for, okay. Yeah. Early okay. Uh, though, not the earliest. I feel like I interviewed someone and she got up at three thirty. So I'm not well. even the earliest of any of the people that I know. Uh, but yeah, so I wake up early and that lets me do a morning routine. It lets me get a workout in, it lets me get prepared for my day and also get business hours in, you know, podcast, editing, writing, whatever it is that day. And it lets me get all of those things in while still being able to do a career while still also not spending my entire night working because that that's a no-go for me. I family time is super important to me. It always has been super important to me. And as much as I love working, I don't love working more than I love being with them. And so I have to balance that and I have to over and over again, set boundaries. Oh, boundaries are the hardest, right? Saying no to things is so hard for me, but if I don't set boundaries, I get burnt out and I know it. And so I have to sometimes even daily say, I can't do that, or this will have to wait until next week, or this will have to wait until tomorrow or shift things around so that I can be there for my teams and be there for, you know, my, my own business and then be there for my family.
2: Yeah. Well, and setting boundaries and staying consistent on a schedule allows you to keep those boundaries because if you know, you've worked all morning, you know, and you, you did all of the things that you wanted to accomplish in the morning, then it's so much easier to respect your own boundaries because you're not like all over the place going, but I didn't, but I didn't. It's like, you've already carved out those, those moments for yourself of what needs to happen.
1: Yes. The, that strategy of being organized and consistent is really, I think what, what's done it, what's allowed me to do so many things in, you know, a short period of time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. In the past two years, I've gotten really disciplined with a fitness routine and it's about the only thing in my life that I'm disciplined with. And I need to apply that same concept to other areas of my life because, you know, when I think about this, this workout routine that I have, it doesn't rely on motivation. It doesn't rely on my interest level of working out that day. And it doesn't rely on any external factors other than this is the thing that I do every day. And if I don't do it, I feel like garbage. Yeah. And so it's like, I know those things in this area of my world, but I have a hard time applying it to all the areas. And so I feel like you're an example of someone applying that same concept to all the areas.
1: Yes, it's a just because if you count on motivation, if you try to rely on motivation, you will never get things done. Even the most motivated of humans, I feel like I'm a pretty stinking motivated human, right? Like I am an excited, I'm ready to go most days, but not every day. And there are days when I wake up and I'm like, ugh. But I have all these habits, all these routines in place that I don't have to think about it. I don't have to, like you said, I don't have to decide if I'm interested in working out today. No, my workout is at five and I go to it, right? Like that is it. It's just, I, it's just, you get up and your body does what it's supposed to do. And so I, you know, I might not be excited or happy about it every single day, but I certainly am doing it and, and making it happen in, in a lot of areas. Right. Uh, because I know what I want ultimately. And I know that this is the best way to get there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what are you crummy at? What are you bad oh, at sports?
1: <laughs> so bad at sports. So terrible. Like, I mean, so I've been doing this, like you said, workout routine. I've been doing this workout routine for about three years. Now I work with a coach. It's amazing. I love it. Um, I, I do love it most days. Uh, I will say some days I still don't want to go, but I still love it. And so I am far stronger, fitter, more coordinated than I've ever been. But if you're like, let's go play some pickup, you know, baseball, let's go throw the ball. Let's go play catch. Nope. Nope. Not going to happen. It's going to be embarrassing and terrible. So, um, really, really bad at sports. <laughs> I do not like them. I love to watch. I love to watch the kids, you know, get better and improve and play and just all of that's So fun for me. But, oh.
2: Well, I'm with you on that because I have become a runner in the past. I'm trying to own the things that I am. I am a runner. Um, So I have become a runner in the past, let's say year. Um, Something that I've tried to become most of my adult life, but I think I'm actually am a runner, but I will never, I will never be the person that can like go on a run with a friend. I will never be able to run alongside someone. And you know, you see those people and they're running down the street and they're like having a chat. I'm like, no, if I'm running, I've got to be thinking about my steps. I've got to be thinking about my breath. I've got to be listening to the Peloton lady in my head, guide me through that run. So like, even as like strong and fit as I become, I will never be like cute, casual runner girl. Like, no. I just cannot do that. I, I'm always
1: like, how are you talking? Right? Like when I watch those, when I watch them running down the street, I'm like, i how is it not sounding like the whole time? Because yes, I, yeah, still, I run, you know, multiple times a week doing my workout and I am still panting a lot the entire (laughs) time. So it's not a pretty, it's not a pretty workout. That's not, you know, not, not my goal, but to be strong. I'm good with that.
2: Yes. Yes. I love that. Okay. So, you know, when I say like, you know, what are you crummy at? I guess what I'm trying to get at is You are talking about ways to help moms have their best year ever. So like what areas of your life really need that improvement? What makes next year your best year ever? I think that asking for help has always been a really hard
1: thing for me. My mom never seemed to really ask for help. So I think in my head, much of my adult life, I thought, No, 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 you can't. You have to do it by yourself. You have to do all these things. And my husband traveled full time. So I'm working full time, plus have four kids on my own, you know, because he's gone Monday through Friday. And this was so much of our life for so long. And I never wanted to ask for help. I mean, I didn't let him, he pushed hard to let us get someone to come clean our house every two weeks. And I was like, no, no, I can clean it. No, I can do the dinners. No, I can do this and that. And so I really have learned that. Not only does it help me take things away that I'm not that good at, right? If I ask for help in certain things, there are things that I'm not that that good at. like the house cleaner cleans the house way better than I do. I am not a pro house cleaner. I just was doing it because I had to. And then also it gives me so much more time to do the things that I really want to be doing, whether that is, you know picking up Jimmy John's and going and hanging out and at the park with the kids, or it is me, you know, writing a new book or me doing whatever it is. So I think as I continue into the new year and look at my goals, there are other areas that I will have to ask for help that I've never asked for help for in, okay. in the past. Um, whether that is through coaching. Cause I think, cause that I kind of just have recently started. And then also, you know, some areas for there are things I don't know how to do yet. And so I'm going to have to ask for help and, and like, look dumb. Right. And sometimes we have to look dumb to be able to get to the next level. And so, so yeah, I, I've been looking at all of my goals and thinking, okay, I don't know how to do that yet. I'm going to have to figure that out. Right. And, and that's hard and super scary. And I still think it's totally worth it.
2: Yeah. Okay. So when you talk about asking for help, number one, it's obviously a huge luxury to have a house cleaner. Okay. However, I also think that we spend a lot of money. On things that we could use to buy our time back. You know what I mean? Um, For example, uh, we pay someone, I think it's $500, which is a lot of money, but $500 to just do the stupid fertilizing of the lawn, which I don't know if you have to do that in Arizona. But so if we went to to the stupid farm and fleet and bought all the bags of the Scots and kept it someplace and rolled that stupid thing around the yard five times a year... It would probably cost us if we included our time and energy $400, you know, let's just say, but instead I'm like to my husband, I'm like, but let's just take this thing away. And we have bought back our time, our energy. And so I think, you know, people might look at house cleaning as some sort of unattainable luxury if you don't factor in your time your mental load and all the, all the moments that you spend on Instagram, watching go clean, go, and trying to figure (laughs) out how she combines the tide with the hot water and the bleach, which is a wonderful, wonderful cleaning program. But I'm still saying like, I think time and money need to, to be married a little bit more together because I, I spend a lot of money on things to buy my time back.
1: Well, and we, I don't think we think about it that way. Right. We just think, well, I can do it. So, you know, in my, I would spend three hours every weekend about cleaning the house every single weekend. I'd spend three hours cleaning the house. Well, what the heck? Like for 12 hours a month, what else could I be doing in 12 hours a month? And how much was I paying my, you know, like paying yourself. If you think about it that way, it just wasn't worth it. It wasn't. And I never thought about anything like that that was just not the way i was brought up it wasn't the the way that i thought and so my husband really has had to work on me for you know for other things too like landscaping same thing we used to you know you like go outside and you mow the lawn and you fertilize all the plants and you do all of these things that there is someone that does this better than you. They do it all day long and they're really good at it. And they keep your plants alive. They don't kill them like me, right? Like half my plants are dead because I just can't even handle it. You, there's one behind me you can see in my office. This is like the only plant I've ever been able to keep alive ever. It looks <laughs> like it's thriving. It is totally thriving. It's <laughs> one of those plants that like people tell me you can't kill. So I was like, well, you're kind of a jerk because I- <laughs> <You're> like, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna take my best stab at it. <laughs>
2: <that was
1: plant. laughs> But I, you know, I, you know, I can't do these things well, and other people can do them so much better, so much faster, so much more efficient. And, you know, and I think that's true in our homes, like the things we're talking about, but it's also true in business. It's also true. in, you know, even in a corporate career, when you're asking for help on a team, there's someone on your team that does stuff better than you. And if you are working with them, well, you could make a dream team, right? If everyone's working in their zone of genius, everyone could be so much more efficient and happier. And, and so I just have to remember that when I start to feel that pullback and that, that, Oh, I'm going to have to ask for help for this. And I just don't want to, you know, my pride is there or my, you know, it's ego or, or just fear. And I have to, I have to let go of that. So that's going to be a big goal for 2022 for me, for sure.
2: So do you think those same reasons are the reasons we're not asking for help from our spouses and partners?
1: Oh yeah. I, I think we are afraid that they're going to, well, we're afraid they're going to say no. Right. And then we're going to start a fight. We're afraid that they aren't going to do it the way that we do it. We're afraid we're afraid that they might do it better. I think let's be honest, moms. I think there are things that our husbands do better with our children. And we're afraid that if they start to take it over and the kids are like, Oh yeah, daddy's way better at that. That's (laughs) kind of hurts our ego. Right. That says, Hey, I do all the things I am mom but sometimes dad's just better. And so I think we, in order to feel our best and to be our best, we have to let that go. It's just so hard.
2: Do you have an example of something that you have let go and let your husband handle that maybe felt like you didn't want to loosen your grip on it?
1: Laundry. I,
2: um, we decided
1: when he was still traveling, we decided that Laundry can be done anytime, right? It doesn't absolutely, because we have enough clothes, we can't, we could go, you know, the the work week without laundry. We could wait until the weekend to do laundry. So he was gone and I was doing all the things and we thought, okay, that's a task that he could totally take on. So I gave it up. And you know what? It doesn't matter how towels are folded. As long as they're in the cabinet, it doesn't matter how things are hung. As long as they're in the, in the closet, it doesn't matter if it gets done, you know, once a week or twice a week or, you know, or once every two weeks, it, as long as we have clean clothes to wear. So I've had to let go of it and say, if I step in, then this is the exact opposite of what I want, want, right? What I want is help. And so I, I really let it go most of the time, even if he takes a long time, even if he, you know, wants the kids to help or not help. And, um, yeah, so it's been a rough one, but it's
2: worked. It's working. Okay. No, it makes my chest hurt to think yeah. about my husband being in charge of the laundry. Like i actually in a little bit of pain.
1: I know. I, I, And there are so many things like that, right? But you just really do have to say, does it matter? Well, and even like a drawer, like a kid's drawer, they're going to wreck that thing in two seconds, right? So does it matter if their shorts are folded perfectly or does it just matter if they're in there? It just matters to me. If I can look in the room and it looks clean, we're good to go. I don't need yeah. it to be perfect in every drawer.
2: But you feel yeah. like there are so many women out there who are suffering alone unnecessarily where they could be getting support, you know, cause we talk so much about support. And I think th- the assumption is that it's not going to be there for you when in fact yeah. it, it is,
1: it is. And, you know, there are certainly families that kind of already have this perfect, maybe not perfect, but really they feel like there's, you know, their spouse or their partner, they're, they're working 50, 50, not doing exactly the same things half and half, but they're, devotion to the family and their workload in the family is feels even, right? So maybe I don't do any laundry and he does all the laundry and maybe I do all the cooking and he doesn't do any, but it feels even, right? And then there are certainly families, you know, I watch these Facebook groups of moms that they are, feel like they're getting no help, right? They feel like they have zero support in their career, zero support in the business that they're growing, zero support in on the home front with their kids or, you know, with just like home tasks, all of the extra things we all have to do. And it shouldn't feel like that. That is not how it should be. It really should be a conversation. And so often it has to be an ongoing conversation, you know, because new things come and things get out of balance. Your kids grow and there are different needs, right? Like we cloth diapered our kids, for example. So we had all of these massive amounts of cloth diapers that you had to wash when they were little. Well, when everyone was potty trained, we, that, that job went away. So whoever had that job, then, you know, now the balance is off again. So you've got to constantly be talking and making sure that everyone is on the same page, that everyone feels like they have the support and communicating that is sometimes really hard. And so I think that we decide not to do it, right? We skip it. We say, oh, well, that conversation is going to be really tough or it's going to start a fight. So I'm just not going to have it. And then next month and a month goes by and six months goes by and two years goes by and 20 years goes by, you know, we see these families that are all their kids leave and they get divorced. That was my parents. And that's been a lot of parents of people that I know they, you know, every, and, and I have to assume that there's a lot of communication that's not happening. And so they end up, you know, they started together and they end up so far apart that there's no way back. And so, um, I think I, in my mind it's just tasks, right? It's just laundry. It's just dishes, but it isn't, it, it really is the whole, it, the basis of what we're doing every day is a framework for all the other things that are important in our marriage. And so yeah. if we're completely uneven in all of the things that we're doing, it's probably uneven in other places too. And there's probably things that aren't working.
2: Okay. Real talk here. Yeah. I know a couple examples in my Friend group and extended friend group, okay, where they have asked for help, haven't gotten help. And I think it's sort of just one of those like known things that, like, she doesn't have help because her husband's a jerk. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I had a conversation with some girlfriends a couple weeks ago where it was like, it's all really easy for us to sit here and go like, well, yeah, like why doesn't why her husband help? It's because her husband's a jerk. Like, and I think that that um I think there's still just a lot of like non-50-50 situations, you know, where, you know, when you do have that help and support, like it's easy to think about going and asking for it and, you know, having the courage to ask for it. And then, you know, you you do look and you know there's women out there who who truly don't have the support and you know whether they made that decision going in and had those expectations going in but yeah i mean it, it it just popped in my head because i just had this conversation recently but so talking to someone who specializes in marriage and family therapy like what do you do when you know that friend just doesn't have that support
1: yeah, man. I am a big proponent of therapy. I just think it's so good for, it is not meant for just people that are struggling, right? It is meant to improve communication. It's meant to just make you more connected so that you can, because the, the discussion isn't really about dishes, right? It no. is, but it isn't, it, it's yeah. about the support that you have or don't have. It's about the, you know, the feelings of who's responsible for things. I have some friends that I had right after college, they got married and they, this has been years ago now, but they went to therapy because they couldn't figure out how to get the house to work. You know, they had a new baby, couldn't figure it out. And so they thought it was really just task related. Well, when they went to therapy, they realized that she just wanted help, right? She just wanted whatever she could get. And he was counting. He was keeping it like a tit for tat thing. So she took out the trash last time. So now it's my turn, but I can't possibly take out the trash two times in a row because now it's not fair. So that's how his mind was working. And when they started to talk about that and realize that's what it was and that that's not really how it can work for families to work well together. It can't be 100% even Stephen, It changed everything for them. And they still, I mean, now like 20 years later, they're married. They're super happy, multiple children, like just way easier to find that, get to the back to that balance because they were able to sit down and really get to the root of what was really happening. And it wasn't about dishes.
2: Oh, okay. So, all right. So maybe the guy's not a jerk. They just don't have the, the same, their brains are just not operating on the same wavelength and some conversations could really, could really help that.
1: Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, so we tend to, especially super moms tend to be controlling also, right? Some of us are super type a, we want things. So we want to ask for the laundry help. Okay. So Denise, this is totally your up your alley. You want to ask for the laundry help, but you're like, but he's not going to hang it right, but he's not going to fold it right, but he's not going to put it in the right drawer. Right. You want to control the whole thing. And so that's the other part is that sometimes we're asking for help, but We're saying, I only want help if it looks like this tiny little thing, not just, I want help. And so it's really hard as a husband, you know, if I flip the script, it's really hard as a husband to feel like you just don't do a good enough job that you're just terrible at it, even if you try. And so a lot of men will just back up, you know, they'll just say, well, I'm not going to do it. If I'm going to do it wrong all the time, that feels terrible. And not to say that they're not jerks. There are jerks out there. There are tons of them, Um, but, but sometimes it's, you know, that insecurity. Sometimes it's that just being like, felt like they are doing it wrong every single time. You know, you give me the baby, you know, you can't possibly ever calm her. So I'll just take her again and again and again. Right. And then he never gets the chance to actually learn to do it. And so there are so many situations like that too, where we need to step back a little bit. We need to be patient. We need to be understanding. We need to be willing to let go of control and let the person do it the way that they're going to do it. And sometimes that might not be our perfect way.
2: And I completely agree with that in all areas, except for loading the dishwasher There is a right <laughs> and a wrong way. Bottom line hands. Down. Oh, my
1: husband would totally agree with you. So we're on the, we're on the flip side of that. I'm just like, put the dishes in. It's fine. Oh, no, no, no. He's like, you didn't put this bowl in. Right. So this one's not clean. You didn't put this fork in. Right. So this one's not clean. And I'm like, eh, run it again.
2: <laughs> Okay. So is another component of best year ever living outside the culture of complaint?
1: Oh yes. I love the culture of complaint. Talk so, to me
2: about that. Cause I am the mayor of complaint town.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the culture of complaint is really, I started to see this at work and I talked about it. You know, we talked about it on teams. We would say, okay, we've really developed a culture of complaint here because one person starts to complain and then the and then another person's like, yeah, that is terrible. And then slowly we start to add on these bricks and everything's terrible when really everything isn't terrible, right? It isn't. And so we get into this cycle where everything is awful, and that is not a way to be happy. That is not a way to be fulfilled in your job, at your house, with your friends. And so it's this can happen anywhere. Now I've, you know, that as I've continued to get older children as I've met more moms, as I've seen it happen, it happens in friend groups, it happens in families, it happens, of course in workplace environments. And so what it really does is it constantly focuses on problem and it never focuses on solution. And so by never focusing on a solution, you never fix whatever it is that you're complaining about. It never gets to a resolution. And so it's really hard, to get out of because you know we have this camaraderie with complaining and we, you know, we are we don't have to do anything because complaining doesn't require any action, right? It doesn't mean actually figuring out the real problem and coming to a solution.
2: No, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. So (laughs) good.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Because you're just there, you're just (laughs) hanging out in that cycle. So (laughs) I talk about it because it's painful, right? It is, it starts to really erode your mental state. It starts to really get you to a point where you feel like you can't fix things and, and you have the power to do this, right? You always have the power to, to make a change. And so I really, I really work with women to not get stuck in this cycle. Now, if you need to vent, I get it. And I talk about in the book, even the separate, the difference between the culture of complaint. And problem solving is your ideal goal. But sometimes in the middle, there is that venting that you just need, right? You need to get all of those emotions out. You need to get that frustration out. You need to, you know, scream and yell or, or, you know, complain nonstop for 10 seconds. But then to have that mental understanding to say, all right, I'm going to do this for five minutes and I'm going to complain and I'm going to vent, but then I'm going to flip it. And I'm ready and I am going to look for a solution to this so that I don't have to complain about it next week and the next week and the next week and the next week.
2: Okay. So how does that then fit into the concept of happy on purpose?
1: Yeah, because if you are constantly focusing on problems, you are never going to be happy, right? If you, if you can only find the problem in things, you are never going to bring yourself the joy that you want. The solution is the joy. The problem is not the joy. And so it really does. Um, You have to get out of the culture of complaint. And then you have to start making intentional choices. Every day, I say every day, I say you make your happiness list. You know, you write down a million things that make you happy and you put one of those in your list every single day that you're going to do. You know, maybe that is your run, right? Maybe you know you feel happy after your run. So you're going to make sure you do your run every single day. Maybe you are going to snuggle with your kids. Like I heard um a pot a mom that um was on an interview for a podcast, and she said her morning routine is. She doesn't get up before the kids because she works late, but she lets the kids come in and wake her and they snuggle for like five or 10 minutes every day. Now, of course she has smaller kids. She doesn't have teenagers that are doing this, but like, if that is you're happy, then awesome. Do that. Wake up every day with snuggles. That's amazing. Whatever those things are, work those into your life so that you have something that you are looking forward to, that you are excited about, that makes you super happy every single day.
2: I like that. What's on yours?
1: Oh, I have so many things. I mean, I love big things, right? So like I love vacation. I love massages. Those things are on there because those make me happy. And if I don't plan in advance, we're not going to take a vacation. If I don't plan in advance, I'm never getting a massage. I have to put those things on my calendar, but it also is really small things. I love to read. So if I can get five or 10 minutes of reading in every single day, I love that. I love dinners with friends, slow dinners, because eating with children for children goes very fast. You know, it's like everything that when you are there, you're like, okay, we got to eat. We got to finish our food. We're out of here because, you know, otherwise it gets crazy town. So slow, slow, fun, chatty dinners with friends. I love that. Yeah. I have a lot of things.
2: Oh my gosh. You know what? I did that the other day with my husband. We went out uh, last week and I think the waitress was probably pretty annoyed because I wanted to order every single course individually and then wait 20 minutes in between. And I think that, you know, my mind always goes into where, um, I assume that she thinks that it's because I'm cheap. And so I'm just trying to like eat all the free bread, but no, it's just like, I don't want you bringing me all the foods right now. Like, yeah, I would just like to eat this food and then talk a little bit and then eat this food. But I know we were annoying, but, and, and I don't know why that was so satisfying, but you just put the words to it. It was so satisfying. Yes, It really is. We had, I went to dinner. Um, I had an
1: aunt in town and I, so my cousin, my aunt and my, um, and my uncle, we all went to dinner and we did the same thing. We ordered, but we, I mean, we were obscene with the amount of food we ordered. We ordered <laughs> like four different appetizers yes. and then we slowly tasted all of them. And then we ordered more main course food. We had a dessert. We, we were so excited to eat all of this delicious food. I, I mean, we've ate so much, but it was, it was slow. We could talk. We could just spend time talking about each individual food because like all of us are foodies, right? You know, every, every morsel on the table was delicious and we needed to speak about every single one of them. And yeah, so just being able to slow down doing things that you love, right? So I love eating. And if I can slowly do that, And I can be with someone that I like. That's amazing.
2: (laughs) That's great. Um, Okay. So as we kind of wrap things up, I want to make sure that I've kind of hit everything that I wanted to hit on with you. I want to give you the opportunity to kind of plug some of your things. So where can people get in touch with you, find out more about you and your work and access all of your great resources?
1: Absolutely. So secretsofsupermom.com is where you'll go and find it all. It will take you to the podcast, which is the Secrets of Supermom show. It will take you to the book, which is also Secrets of Supermom. Uh, and then it also has the links to my social media. I'm Secrets of Supermom on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and on Instagram.
2: Well, you're doing wonderful things. I've so enjoyed following you on Instagram and reading your content. And so thank you for taking the concept of Supermom and redefining it for everybody.
1: Yes, we can all, if we, if we want to have all of the amazing things that we want in our lives, we can all be super moms.
2: Well, Lori, thank you so much for this conversation. I really enjoyed connecting with you. Me too. Thanks so much. You are such a blast. You have been listening to the WQAD podcast network.